Hi and hello watch fans and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighbourhood watchmaker Rob Nuts and my co-host calling in all the way from Amsterdam as usual, Alon Ben-Joseph. Alon, today we have, by virtue of two very special watches in your personal collection, the opportunity to perform another product review for our listeners. Could you please tell us exactly what model it is or models, in this case, we'll be looking at and a little bit about them both? We are talking about the legendary Rolex GMT Master. And since we want to do a deep dive, why it's so popular, I picked both the GMT Master 1 and 2, have been in my collection, the first one, quite some time. And it's almost mythical. So I guess we can fill this episode very quickly. We got a lot of questions and comments in from our dear listeners. So let's go, Rob. Yeah, we did get a lot of questions and comments, actually, which was very nice. A lot of them coming in via email or direct messages. Remember, of course, you can comment on Instagram if you want to. Uh, some people feel comfortable commenting out loud, others less so. And I don't know why people are shy, because there's nothing too controversial uh, amongst these questions. But where shall we start? That is the question. Okay, I am going to pick, because a lot of these, uh, a lot of these questions are based around preferences of the options available for the watches. But let's dig into something a little bit. Okay, okay, this is a good one to start. It's actually the perfect one to start. This one is from Andrew from New Jersey, and he says, and I'll, I'll toss this one over to you, Alon, what's the big deal of a Rolex? What's the big deal of a Rolex GMT Master and GMT Master 2? Could you tell me a little bit about where these models come from and what their backstory is? If I'm not mistaken, the GMT Master, launched in 1954, was the first ever watch to have a red and blue bezel. So that created an actually spectacular effect in a conservative world. It was a rather big watch. How big was it in those days? If I'm not mistaken, the first edition in 1954 with a backlight insert in the bezel was reference 6542, was 38. It grew to 40, which it is still today. And it was created for the Pan Am pilots. So the watch was designed for pilots. Specifically, Pan Am requested a watch for their pilots that could show two time zones simultaneously. And the bezel is two-tone, blue and red indicate the difference between day and night as it has a 24 hours lineup and the second hour hand on the watch would indicate the second time zone and would spin only once every 24 hours whereas a normal hour hand spins once every 12 hours so twice a day um very rapidly the reference 6542 became the 1675 with an aluminum bezel because the bakelite cracked rather easily. And I think that was in 56, so only two years later. And then they went from the 1675 to the 16750, racking up the 16760, 16700. And then we moved to the GMT master 2 with reference 16 710 rob can you explain the difference as a watchmaker why they suddenly clicked to gmt master 2 yeah the difference between the gmt master and the gmt master 2 because nobody calls the GMT Master the GMT Master 1, right? This is like the Explorer and the Explorer 2. Nobody calls it the Explorer 1. I have done it in the past just to be absolutely sure people know what I'm talking about and they've looked at me with derision in their eyes whenever anyone ever, anyone ever says Explorer 1. So I won't make that mistake with the GMT Master. The difference is the GMT Master can track two time zones and the GMT Master 2 is actually able to track three time zones. And that's because the hour hand of the GMT Master 2 is independent. So it can be set separately from the regular time. Now, what that means is you can actually shift your second time zone much easier. The GMT Master 
used a hour hand, a minute hand, and a 24-hour hand that were linked always, and a rotating bezel, which allowed you to shift effectively where the 12 o'clock or the midnight point was on the watch so that that 24-hour hand gave you a readout of a separate time zone. The GMT Master 2 allows you to actually set the 24-hour hand next to the bezel. So you can you can read your second time zone off the bezel without moving the bezel itself, or you can do it in the old-fashioned way and leave the GMT hand linked to the hour hand and move the bezel, or you can actually do both and tell a separate time zone with the bezel, with the 24-hour hand, and with the regular hour hand itself. So that's the main difference. That's an independent 24-hour hand that can be set separately from the main hour and minute hands itself. There you go. Well done, Rob. So the slight differences in the evolution of the GMT Master, mine is a 16700, which is very interesting. So that was released in 1988 and had the caliber 3175. That year, they simultaneously launched GMT Master 2, which was the 16710. And the 16750 was intended as a cheaper option. Now, the 16700 I have is from 91 mine, which I got, I got gifted by my parents. So that one I'm never letting go. And I love the aluminum bezel. Actually never existed in a nicknamed Coke version. And the blue and red is nicknamed the Pepsi, which we'll come to later. Now, the official abbreviation of the reference number is the BLRO. So the letters usually indicate what color combinations the Rolex watches have when they add it to the serial number. And the 16700 got discontinued in 99. And I believe that was also the first generation to have a sapphire crystal. In 99, the fitted dials with a T25 Swiss made on them. So that features tritium. Not only can you guess the age of a watch by looking at the dial and what specifications it has on it. So does it say just Swiss made? Does it say uh, Swiss T25, etc.? You can also look at the serial number of the watch. And Rolex obviously started off in the early 20th century by doing consecutive serial numbers and going up from zero then at a certain point around 1987 they start with the letter r and then with six digits they choose random letters from r to l to e to x my is an x series so it's 1991 and then in 2010-11 they a letter and then numbers and they become a mashup a mix of letters and numbers and then it's very difficult to guess what year they produced um maybe we quickly jump to the watch that we actually want to talk about and that's the most modern gmt master 2 i do continue adding the one or two both to the explorer rob and the gmt master because i have both and the one in the pictures that we posted is the 40 millimeters Oyster with a Jubilee bracelet. Today, they're available in both bracelets. This reference is the 126710BLRO. And then if you really want to geek out, it's dash 0002. Today, it retails in the Netherlands at 10,900, including VAT. And the market price lies way above that i think a nice segue is to pick up warky's comment on your instagram actually he just wrote oyster or jubilee bracelet question mark i want to go first because i'm an idiot when i got that watch gifted my gmt master one it came on an original jubilee bracelet but it was so shaky and rambly and it made noise and it annoyed me. So I went to 
the Rolex AD, literally opposite our own boutique. I saved up money, bought an oyster bracelet, and sold the Jubilee one with my stupid head. Oh, no. I was so hoping you weren't going to say that. Oh, God, that's scandalous. Oh, you. Oh, dear. And how do you feel about it now? How do you feel? Schmuck. Good about yourself? You should feel like a schmuck, right? Yeah. Schmuck. And I don't mean this for our German listeners, like schmuck, but Yiddish-American schmuck, which means idiot. Yeah. And I'm an idiot, although my love for oyster bracelets is maybe tenfold to Jubilee. I do love the design. It's just not really me. When Rolex switched to the ceramic bezels on the GMT Masters and brought back the blue-red one, it first only came on the Jubilee, if I'm not mistaken. And now you can choose either or. I believe the Batman, the blue-black one, just came on an oyster, and then they switched. Yeah, well, that's the Batgirl, isn't it? When it's got the Jubilee, that I didn't make that up. That's what it's called. You know that actually brands are not that keen on nicknames, strangely enough, and I don't know why. But <laughs> we used to have we used to have this one guy on Fratello who absolutely hated nicknames, and he would get, get apoplectic with rage every time somebody made a reference to a nickname, as if it was us that was giving him the nicknames. And sometimes, to be honest, it was, and I used to do it just to wind him up. But it was crazy how much he objected to the fact that we were nicknaming these watches as if, like, you know, they were these sacrosanct heavenly items that could never be given something as glib and amusing as a nickname. But I think it's fine. It's fun. You know, it's easier than referring to them by their reference numbers, for goodness sake. Exactly. So... And, and I, I think that the only brand I think that doesn't mind is Omega when you call the Speedmaster Speedy watch. Because it's annoying for Google because apparently Louis Vuitton has a bag that's called Speedy. But um, as far as I know, they're the only brand that don't mind because obviously... I'm not even sure that accounts as a nickname. Speedy is just an abbreviation, isn't it? I mean, it's like mm. calling a Submariner a sub. That's not the same thing. I mean, it's like uh, calling the Tokyo silver dial red bezel uh, Speedmaster, the Rising Sun. That's a nickname that Mike Stockton of Fratello gave to that watch. So, I mean, I don't think Speedy is, it doesn't really qualify as a nickname. It's certainly now it's become general parlance for the watch after RJ created Speedy Tuesday 11 years ago now, would you believe? Okay, I'll hand you that one, but I'm quite sure that Rolex doesn't appreciate people calling the, the Submariner a sub. But because you can confuse for a sub from a sandwich shop. But okay. Um, <laughs> or the tube, uh, for that matter, in New York. Anyway, You know, you know what? I I, dis- I mean, I don't know. I, don't, I haven't got anyone from Rolex on the line, but I disagree. I, my assumption is that they would be more than happy that a watch has become so culturally significant that it can be shortened to a single syllable that has other meanings, like a sandwich. I don't think anyone's going to confuse a 10,000 euro wristwatch with a sandwich these days or an underground trans- transport network. But the fact that the sub, the Rolex sub, can actually exist within that kind of context. And a transport network is far more relevant to the masses than a Rolex Submariner. And yet to say sub in a conversation could easily conjure the same thoughts as, as we're having right now when we're thinking about wristwatches. I think it's a massive compliment. I think you'd have to be very, 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 I don't know what's the word, stick up your ass to not like the fact that the Submariner has grown to such an extent personally. That's my assumption. I think that we should incorporate this question to all the brands that come on the show, which their watches have nicknames because from experience as a retailer, I got reprimanded, literally slap on the fingers that we used nicknames in titles on our web shop, which obviously are easy to recognize for consumers. Good for Google. Yeah. The brands did not appreciate, but I'll refrain from mentioning them. Anyways, Rob, you, if you need to vote Jubilee or Oyster, Easy peasy, Jubilee, 100%, 100%. Really? Oh, easy. I hate the Oyster. I think it's dull as oh dishwater. The only only watch from Rolex that I prefer it on is the Oyster Perpetual itself. And I like it on that because it's nice and simple and it's straightforward. But on every other model you could care to name, I think I would choose a Jubilee, even on something like a Milgaus if I had the choice. And I think that's because I regard the Jubilee as a much more identifiable design than the Oyster, which I think is very generic, even though it was a pioneer of Rolexes. It's been copied to death. The Jubilee, because it's so special, 
still stands out to me as like a Rolex marker. And I have actually been in the situation where, and I stand by this, had the Rolex GMT Master 2 root beer, sorry Rolex, but I'm talking about the oyster steel and rose gold or ever rose version of this watch with the black and brown bezel insert. Had that been produced with a bicolor Jubilee, I would have had my name down on that list from day one, waiting to buy one. But because it had the professional or the oyster bracelet, should I say, uh, I'm not bothered. I never wanted it. I was like saying happily, I'll wait until they do it on the Jubilee and then I'll pull the trigger if they allow me to pull the trigger, which they probably won't. But annoyingly, it's two and a half thousand euros more now than it was when it came out. So shame they didn't. Uh, do it straight out of the gate, but yeah, absolutely, hundred percent jubilee, hundred percent, not even close, not even, not even close, not even a consideration. You surprised? Yes, I tried it. I, I really held out not to buy a ceramic bezeled Rolex. I own several. I am the fan of the old style. No, wrong wording. Pre ceramic Rolexes because I don't like the shiny and I always gear towards the matte finished Rolexes or those that have the most satin finished on them. And the only exception to the rule is day dates, of course. Okay. I'll break any rule for a platinum or a a, a full gold day date. But yeah, every rule should be broken for those watches. But before you go any further, there's a question actually from uh, Stefan in Dusseldorf regarding exactly this point. He says, quite simply, aluminium or ceramic, please vote. Smiley face. That's his comment. Um, I take it from what you're saying. You're, You're still a fan of the aluminium. I do own only one ceramic bezeled watch. I hold out. I'm I'm against it. I find it anti-tool watch-esque because ceramic breaks easily. I hate the shimmer and shine on tool watches. So the only one I have is the Pelagos LHD, the lefty. Beautiful watch. Yeah. And and as far as I know, that's the only tool watch out there with a ceramic bezel that's fully satinated. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm actually curious to hear from you or our listeners if they know any other watch out there with a matte ceramic bezel. Oh, there absolutely are others. Absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Cool, but, um, cool query. Can't think of any off the top of my head right now. I can, I can. <laughs> me neither. And I've been looking. There is There was one I was reviewing the other day. Um it was yeah, it was a show part of some description, but yeah, there's there's quite a lot there's quite a lot of matte bezels, but the 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 um, Pelagos LHD is one of the finest, that's for sure. Um, but you're forgetting to mention your GMT Master Two Pepsi, which you also have. Remember, yeah, but I am probably going to be vilified or cursed at my GMT Two, the ceramic, whatever nickname we want to give it because you don't like giving them one or two numbers, um, is on the nomination list rather long to be said goodbye to. And that decision came rather quickly because I really held out adding it to my collection. And obviously, I opted for the Jubilee because I regretted selling my first Jubilee bracelet. I already have the first one on an oyster so i thought that would be a good alternation and then i said oh i'll give in since it's so shimmery and shiny on the bezel let's go all the way and choose a bracelet that's also bling blingy yeah yeah fair fair yeah but it's it's not me Hmm. it's not the rolex guy i want to be and i'm not judging anybody else because it's a stunning piece well made it's amazing how they fused the red and blue so when they border each other so that's an amazing technique. Cause- yeah, but is it amazing? That's one of the points that comes in for the most criticism when it comes to Rolex's Cerachrom inserts in that they don't take two pieces of ceramic like Omega do and fuse them together, that they make one full bezel and then they put the lighter color of the two, or is it the darker color of the two? I think it's the darker color of the two, isn't it? On top of the other one. So in this instance, there's a full red ceramic ring with like half of it topped in blue ceramic and then fused. And that's why the blue of the 
new Pepsi bezel is not quite blue. It's actually a bit purple. You know, I owe you that question because I, 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 I did the Grand Ambassador training for a full week in Bien with Omega. And because of the liquid metal and the, 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 the superior innovation techniques of Omega with ceramic, obviously started off back in the days with Rado and, and blended into the whole Swatch Group DNA. They literally fuse it because you get bleeding otherwise, as I understood. So they can technically create a ceramic bezel with two colors, which are indeed two separate colors, and then a full 180 degrees line between the two colors, and then fuse in either steel. So the when you feel it at top, there is no laser inscribing or it's a smooth top surface. And with, I don't know if you guys remember the, Planet Ocean Seamaster GMT in 43 millimeters. I think it's out of production today. That is the only bezel where you have a yin-yang bezel, black and white. And then instead of metal coming through with the liquid metal procedure, they pushed in white ceramic in the black half and it had black numbers in the white part of the bezel. That was spectacular. Yeah, that was spectacular. And that is possibly the best example of how to do a ceramic bezel. Now, yeah. I, I don't love the end result because I find it a bit of a cold looking watch, but technically speaking, it's absolutely top draw. One of the retailers that I used to work with in Scotland, uh, Wallace Allen in Air, was run by uh, Grant and Ian Allen. And Ian, the younger of the two, had that exact watch and it was his daily go-to and he adored it and i could never really work out why i loved it so much until i saw it in person on his wrist and to study that bezel up close and to see the crispness of the colors at play there just white and black sounds ridiculous but to see the defined line between the two and the way that the colors of the numbers alternate from one side to the other so perfectly is something very special and it's it's actually streets ahead of what rolex have managed to do with their serichrom inserts uh the the bicolor ones at least like the blue and the red uh we've got a question that came in uh which we might as well address now this is from robert in vienna good name robert nice place i imagine i've never been to vienna funnily enough and the question is why is it nicknamed the pepsi and that one is quite simply because it like the pepsi logo is red and blue with a dash of white in there. And sorry to continue on with this, but since this segues so perfectly into another question regarding soda pops, um, Mike from Singapore, one of your questions, he says, do you think we will see the Coke come back this year? Now the Coke, for anybody that doesn't know, is a nickname given to a bezel that is half red and half black. And in the old aluminium or aluminum for our american listeners insert days it was a popular rival to the pepsi and actually my personal preference but alan what do you think do you think we will see the coke return is it high time for a comeback yes i hate all these mashup prediction blog posts and pictures of rolex watches just before fairs back in the day basel world and obviously they're now at watches and wonders since last year um but we're playing that game right now. I think it's going to come back because the oddball was the nickname Sprite, right? The lefty. Nobody saw that one coming. Um, I would be surprised if they don't. I do think it was way less popular, the black and red bezel. I think the least popular one was the full black aluminium insert. And a fun fact, guys, back in the day, you could just simply buy an insert have it at home, go to your AD, and they will pop it and switch it up for you on the spot. Did you know on that note that there was once a blueberry? That's the nickname. You ever heard of that? Just the all blue bezel. Oh, yeah. Because you're right. The all black was really not popular. And you're right. I think that the Pepsi was far more popular than the Coke. And I actually hated the Coke for years. It's only the last few years that I've come around to it and decided that given the technique that Rolex uses on the Cerachron Brezel, Given the technique that Rolex uses to create those Cerachron bezels, if they ever do a Coke, it will be the best because the black will obscure the red and it'll be better than the blue. And that's the one that I got, I've got. i got my eye on now. But in the past, there was just a blueberry, which just had an all blue aluminium insert and an all red GMT hand, I think. It was weird as hell. Didn't look like a real Rolex. Have you ever seen it? Yes, and actually very cool. And 
if I'm not mistaken, Tudor has a long heritage in making the first oyster subs, the blue dials and blue bezels. And I believe they even had black dials or blue bezels, but if I'm not mistaken, there hasn't been a Rolex Submariner with a blue bezel black dial. So that GMT should have been the first, if I'm not mistaken. And I think it, it's it's cool. It looked cool. I think it's cooler than the Batman. Well, I don't know. I never liked the Batman. I thought it was a bit dull. Um, I prefer the Batgirl because I like the Jubilee and I think it dresses it up nicely. But yeah, maybe it's better. It's certainly an oddball. But there has been a Submariner with a blue bezel and a black dial. But not a steel case. No, okay, all right. Fair enough. Good. White gold. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Touche. Two nil for Rob. I said it. Um, Rob, I don't know. You, 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 you knew it. You knew it as soon as you said it as well. You thought, yeah, oh, damn yeah, it. Yeah. There's the white gold. Is he going to bring it up? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring it up. Because I tell you what, that is a damn fine looking submariner. Yeah. That is a nice watch. Yes. And there is no reason to have a tool watch, dive watch in white gold. Only if you want to sink faster but it's sexy. <laughs> it is sexy. It is really nice. And you know what it does? It actually echoes a look that one could only get in the past through a patinated or faded aluminium bezel on an old sub, because sometimes for whatever reason, black aluminium bezels that had been anodized that color would fade to a kind of navy blue. They would just bleed out to a blue. It is no, well, I don't know what the chemical requirements of that would be, what kind of environmental pressures you'd have to subject it to, but it has happened. I've seen it happen. And the result is sometimes stunning. If your loom goes off to a kind of rich pumpkin shade and the old gilt dial printing on a black dial surrounded then by a now faded to navy aluminum insert, you are sitting pretty with possibly the nicest sub combination ever made. And goodness me, if I ever brought one back that was based on that kind of coloration, I'd be uh, first in line for that. Yes. And Rob, I want to use this segue to go back because you went suddenly, I don't know, you kicked up a few gears and you went very quickly. So back on the bezels, what I really dislike about the modern ceramic Rolex bezels is the that they etched out the numbers and then filled them with white gold. And I've seen rather a big quantity of them being banged up, not breaking the ceramic, but then the gold chips out. And that, 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 that tickles my inclination to OCD. So you never answered if you're more of an aluminum guy or a ceramic bezel guy. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't, did I? No. Uh, that's a good question. I think that in principle, I'm actually more of a ceramic guy because I think that the material is more hard wearing. Now, I definitely appreciate what you're saying from an aesthetic perspective that the shiny bezels have not so much place in a tool watch, although ceramic doesn't scratch. So that kind of negates the problem with shininess in my mind. Does it break? under extreme impact where an aluminium bezel would dent or bend. Yes, it, it can do. Although I think that most Cerachrom bezels or ceramic bezels in the world, and I think all Cerachrom bezels are slightly recessed beneath the lip of the bezel itself. Is that not correct? Do they not sit like a sort of fraction below? So there is like a, a, a slight defense mechanism not so sure about like the new ones, but they're, they're, they're very, if they're not below, they are very flush. I think that most ceramic bezels sit quite flush to the edge of the bezel itself. I think most, I think most ceramic bezel inserts sit quite flush to the edge of the bezel itself. And that means they are probably quite unlikely to come in for a direct shot that could shatter them. I've not seen it. I've actually never seen it happen with a Rolex Cerachrom insert. I've never seen the white gold fall out of a Rolex Cerachrom insert as well. So that's quite shocking to hear that you've seen that and that that is a problem you would say is what? Would you say it's not common, surely? But I mean, it's happened more than once in your experience? Yes. And it does. It, falling out is not the right word because that means that it's a production flaw. It's, it's, right. it's okay. qualitative. It's amazing. And and I think it's in a, in an in a PVD ish style, so it's vapor deposition. If I if I understood that correctly, yeah. 
And it's really by a hard bang and an unlucky sharp edge that goes into the groove of the laser cut particles of the numbers. I mean, come on. Okay, okay, okay. I mean, I mean, not, I mean you, 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 you put in the ceramic there in its worst possible situation, like an aluminium bezel, you could, if you ran into a buzzsaw wearing an aluminium bezel, then you could take the entire anodized layer off and remove all the numbers in one fell swoop. What also, you know how sensitive I am to fonts? Mm. It can also almost make and break a design for me, or even love or hate a watch. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I regret that they use this bold, squarish font on the newer generation of GMTs, where I do love the older ones on the aluminum. It's, it gives me a bit of a '90s vibeish font, and and I find it less elegant i dare to say that rolex is kind of elegant ish um but i don't want to bash too much so i want to end this topic on my behalf with a compliment i love the etching of the bezel so the way they grooved the inserts into the bezel so you can grip it there's nothing like it done by anybody else oh you mean around the outside of the bezel itself so like just just the the serrated edge that allows you to turn it love it so so you i mean we've got this picture if you haven't seen this you can go on my instagram at r-o-b-n-u-d-d-s or alon's at a-l-o-n-b-e-n-j-o-s-e-p-h and check out the side-by-side comparison of the old gmt master and the gmt master 2 and you can see the difference in the fonts on the bezels now i find the old one to be honest a bit kiddie a bit youthful a bit playful and not in a way that appeals to me at all the new one however i do agree with you it has this kind of ring of like 90s futurism to it as if somebody in 1996 had this vision of what the future would look like in 30 years time and that was the font we'd all be using these kind of widely spaced out slightly flatter than usual numbers and i don't love it either but i definitely do prefer it and i do appreciate the execution of the numerals on the bezel yes i'm not a huge fan of the ceramic technique in comparison to omegas but i think that that Floor can be overcome if you pick the right colorways. So, for example, either the Batman, which has a black layer, or hopefully the upcoming Coke. We have another question from Dan from Fratello. And he says, again, regarding the Coke, when is it coming back? Also, can we use this point to discuss the best bezels of all time and the ones that have never existed that certainly should have done? Now, I'm going to roll this into another question. See, I'm going full gas. I've got my foot on the accelerator right here because i'm racking through these i'm rattling through these questions like there's no tomorrow we have a question from uh roderick in new york city his question is what do you think of the sprite now we'll answer that question directly after we've addressed dan's question but just to pull the sprite nickname into conversation here because you mentioned it earlier the sprite is the nickname given to the green and black bezeled lhd that's left hand drive gmt that was released most recently by Rolex. And that was a watch that caused a real stir. We'll talk about the Sprite separately, but let's discuss bezels. So we've already touched upon the Pepsi, that's red and blue, the Coke, that's red and black, the Sprite, that's green and black, although possibly should be green and yellow or green and silver, the all black, which doesn't have a nickname as far as I'm aware, and the blueberry, which is all blue and long since defunct. Now, Alan, I need to add one question for you. Oh, you need to add. You need to add one more. Yeah, root what beer. Have we got? Oh shit! Of course, yeah. All right, sorry. That's my favorite. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I was sticking sticking to the steel, but root root beer. Yeah. Okay, root beer. So this is a a bezel which uh, now is black and brown and was previously was it brown and sort of gold in the yes. past. And uh, yeah, yeah, it, it makes it a bit tiger eye ish, uh, ish, yeah, 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 yeah. So, the root beer now is a much more sort of sleek and professional looking watch with a black dial and a rose gold bezel and a black and brown bezel insert and a steel and rose gold oyster bracelet. In the past, it was much more flashy, it had this golden brown bezel insert, it had a sun ray brown dial. And it was yellow gold and steel instead of rose gold and steel. Okay, so they're the sodas that exist. Now, you don't like these mock-ups that appear every time we're about to have a new watch fair and speculation runs riot as to what we might see from Rolex this year. But how about this? How about 
a grape soda, purple and black. Would you drink it? It's delicious, right? What about a tango, black and orange, or a Fanta, blue and orange? Yes, orange. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Listen, for me, they opened up the door or Pandora's box with the Sprite. I mean, they, they, they went... I don't know what they've been drinking. Maybe <laughs> not Sprite. Not Sprite. <laughs> Maybe it was a uh, hard seltzer. But um, they 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 went all out. Lefty, uh, 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 green, black. Although it's not that spectacular. Green is their color. They had the Hoke. They had the Kermit. They they still today have a sup with a green bezel. So um, the Starbucks. Starbucks. Yeah, Buck. Um, so it's not that crazy, but but yeah, they I, I guess they opened Pandora's box now. Why not? Let's go. Yeah, well, I wish it was. Let's go because the answer to why not is it's still Rolex. And yeah, would it be cool to see a purple and black? We're even still with a red GMT hand. That would look awesome. It's about time watchmaking embrace purple and red as a combination. I've been banging that drum for a couple of years. Nobody's going for it, but I think that would look great. Uh, what other drinks could we go to? Could we do a Mountain Dew maybe with like a fluorescent green and fluorescent yellow <laughs> bezel insert? Well, that, that probably wouldn't sell, right? Well, I'm saying no, but why not, right? Oh, Everything oh, yeah, Rolex makes maybe. goes. Whoever believed True. that the Tiger Daytona would go or rainbows. What about a cream soda, like a silver and a bright pink? Oh, not bad. Maybe they should make that for the uh, charity project, the Pink Dow uh, project of our friends oh. that, that did that. I think I think Rolex should do that because they don't do only watch, unfortunately. Um, but that would be awesome. That would be so cool. That would be really great. That would raise an absolute packet. I mean, the Tudors that they do for um, Only Watch go for, <laughs> I mean, what was the last one? It went for like six figures, didn't it? I think so, yeah. I, I don't remember these numbers by heart, but it was uh, hefty and they were cool. And, and I mean, the full blacked out one, mm. um, the, the fully bashed up GMT and uh, yeah, they pushed the envelope and it's, it's super cool. And But but I, I feel a bit of uh, rebel rebelliousness within Rolex. I mean... Come on, let's go back to the Sprite again. What do you think about that watch, Rob? Ah, okay, so we're addressing Roderick's question head on here. And uh, thanks for it, by the way, because it's a good one and it deserves to be spoken about when we're talking about Rolex GMTs. I hate it. I hate it with a passion. Um, And I can't really give you a perfect reason as to why. Um, So I'll try and explain. Firstly, I think green and black, especially that shade of green, this isn't like the old Kermit shade of green in the... uh, aluminium bezel days that was kind of a almost metallic olive this is like a kind of rich um slightly deep kelly green and with the black it does nothing for me it doesn't make me feel of luxury it doesn't give me a feeling of sportiness and it doesn't really give me um satisfaction from a coordination perspective i think it's just a bit dull i think it looks a bit a bit nothing and the starbuck which is the submariner with the black dial and the green bezel just about gets away with it because there's enough green to make an impact but here with the sprite with half a green bezel and the rest of it being black is just to me it's just a bit weak and this lhd thing the left hand drive i like it on a diver it's kind of cool um because that's fine for right-handed people to wear as well with a pilot's watch, technically, which is what the GMT Master was intended to be, it doesn't make as much sense to me unless we have left-handed pilots, and that's fine. There's, I guess, 10% of pilots are probably left-handed, maybe a slightly higher percentage, given um, the uh, skill split of uh, left-handed and right-handed people. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's a really poor release. You said nobody saw it coming, and I would say that nobody needed to see it, full stop. Um, the date being, <laughs> I know it's harsh. So the date is at nine o'clock on this watch. And that's an interesting point. That's something you have to pay attention to. Cause that means that this watch is actually intended to be worn by left-handed people on their right wrist. If it were a watch like the Pelagos that you have, that's an LHD watch, right? The LHD means left-hand drive. That means the crown is on the left-hand side of the case. The date on that watch is on the right side, right? Around three o'clock. Right. 
So that watch is clearly a dive watch intended to be worn by a right-handed person on the left wrist with the crown pointing away from the wrist so that wrist mobility is not impeded. Right. Fine. Makes perfect sense. This one here, this is a watch for left-handed people. Now that means that you are cutting off huge amounts of society in terms of your target demographic. Also fine, because left-handed people deserve watches also. This is not a mainstream release. The only movement modification that's been made here is that date wheel has been reprinted so that the date is the right side up when it's on that side of the watch. And that's it. Otherwise, the movement's just been flipped. The case has just been turned upside down. Nothing different about it. It sort of seems like Rolex got together and they thought, you know what? Let's just bash our heads together and see what happens. And this fell out by accident. I don't know. Um, I've, I've said enough. Um, maybe I've not said much of much substance, but uh, I don't like it. I was disappointed. I was left feeling flat. I was completely devoid of desire for this piece. And that's not the way I normally feel when Rolex releases anything new. Even though I'm not a huge brand lover, I always would like to have what they put out there into the world. But this one, I actively wouldn't wear it. So what's your take on it? Do you feel the same or do you love it? I have mixed feelings about it. I am right-handed. I wear the Pelagos left hand on my left wrist where I wear all my watches because I find it quirky and crazy and fun. And in a practical aspect, it I don't like big crowns going into my hand because I wear them rather low and it's obviously a professional uh, deformation that I wear it not under my cuff, but in front of my cuff. So it's comfortable for me. Um, I find it cool that Rolex dared to do it. Is it my cup of tea? Not so much. So I'm not in love. I, I didn't put my name on a waiting list for that watch. Does that say enough? Yeah, that says enough. I mean, I think that kind of sums it up. Maybe a, a little bit more of a tempered approach to the answer than than I gave, but absolutely just uninspired by the end of it. There's a lot that could be done with a GMT Master 2 range and other colors is basically the route to go, I would say. I would like to see some more takes on bicolor versions of the watch as well. I just think this one missed the mark for me. And it's nothing against the lefties. In fact, the one redeeming feature for me is that Hang on, siren. And it's nothing against left-handed people. In fact, it's one redeeming feature is that it is a watch specifically for left-handed people. I just think they could have done something else that would have been a little bit more exciting and excited a few more people in the process. Okay, okay. But a bonus one for you. I'm kicking in. I'm very curious. Truly curious what your opinion is. The white gold version would meteor dial you mean with the pepsi bezel yes uh that one comes on an oyster bracelet yes. standard yeah I, there is no jubilee in gold i don't think yeah in the m- I, modern history i don't think they make any jubilee in gold in the last 20 years i think i uh don't like it i i like meteorites i think they're cool um i don't want to meet any of them at high speed um <laughs> but uh i think they're awesome and the material is great and it has a place in watchmaking and sometimes it can be just the perfect hmm, visual complication to a dial shall we say like just adds a little bit of interest without being too overpowering and too much like for example there is a a daytona with a meteorite dial which i think benefits from the presence of subdials to break up the chaotic striations of the meteorite itself but um in this instance, I think it's actually probably the worst GMT out there. I think I, I dislike it even more than I dislike the Sprite, if I'm being quite frank. So, yeah. That's interesting because I don't feel it either, although I love Meteorite. I don't even know why they did it. It's cold. It's just cold. You know, but you, it's it, weird. You, you're right. And you know what I would have done? I would make it colder, either make the insert of meteorite as well. I don't think anybody has ever done it and it's very difficult because it's a brittle material. Or I would have made a white gold insert maybe. Yeah. That yeah, would be platinum, cool. Frosted platinum or something. That would have been awesome. Yes. Or I don't know if it exists, just a full um, baguette diamond cut set bezel. But then again, how are you going to make it a GMT, right? Because you need numbers 
I wouldn't have objected if they'd made like a sort of dark gray ceramic bezel insert for that, you know, yeah. really just sort of like keep it simple, keep it plain. But yeah, the, the Pepsi bezel on top of that. Yeah, there's too much going on. You're right. It's too busy. It's not nice. Not nice at all. Um, okay. Um, weird little question from Alexander in Paris. We'll answer it because it's on the list and it's going to take us two seconds. But um, what do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? Um, both to drink and as the GMT. So, I mean, I've already said that I actually prefer the Coke bezel and I am desperate for it to come back and I'm desperate to see it come back on a Jubilee. Although in fairness, the Coke is the only one that I think looks just as good on the Oyster. But I I want the Jubilee because I think that it's so integral to the Rolex look. So I prefer Coke to wear and I think I prefer Coke to drink, but... I do love a diet Pepsi, funnily enough, which tastes sufficiently different from the others for me to rank it above the regular type and Pepsi Max. Interesting. So obviously the vote for watch is easy because I have twice Pepsi, although making a bridge to sneakers, my all-time favorite sneaker is the Jordans Air Jordan 1. The OG uh-huh. is the Bread Bulls. Red, so that's black and red leather, white sole. That got banned rather quickly, so the nickname is banned. And then the, the second OG is the red, white, black leather one with white soles. I have both. Um, I also love them because those are the colors for Amsterdam. Um, and technically, I like less is more. So because the dial is black on the GMT, the Coke version makes more sense but i'm a sucker for innovation and novelties and because the blue and red was the first i tend to that watch drink coke hands down with sugar if it's a light or diet version it's either pepsi max or it's coke zero and i still don't know if coca-cola light is the same as zero. Maybe they're pulling tricks on us. Maybe it's just the colors, black and red. Um, Segway, quick one. Is actually a funny question from uh, Jacqueline from Brussels. She wrote to me, did you guys see on Netflix the documentary Pepsi, Where's My Jet? I have no idea what she's talking about, Okay, honestly. All right. For those that like marketing and or soft drinks, I actually started watching that. It's a very funny story. Pepsi was rocking the world marketing-wise in the 90s with Michael Jordan. Sorry, Michael Jackson, uh, Cindy Crawford, and um, they had a marketing campaign going on. The more Pepsi you drink, the more goodies you can win or buy. And at a certain point, they said, if you have 7 million points, you can get a fighter jet. So there was a kid literally suing Pepsi to get that jet. So quick uh, intermezzo. Um, next question is from what the film, that's his or her handle on Instagram stories. On which celebrity will we see the next watch? Use this to pick celebrities that should wear the GMT Master 2 and those that have been seen wearing it. Okay, well, these guys, um, what the film is a film company from Munich who are heavily associated with Fortis, Fortis Watches. They work together closely on creating a lot of Fortis's video content, which you can watch on YouTube. And you will see a lot of Fortis's recent adventures in the Arctic, of which I was a part produced by these guys and they are good friends of mine so thanks uh, to all of you for sending through this question i don't know who was behind the keys maybe matthias maybe i don't know we we don't know uh maybe max we don't know um okay so celebrities that have been seen wearing this watch right well there's been quite a lot off the top of my head i know eric clapton's got one or two or probably three or four Federer obviously has a GMT master two, although I don't think it's his go-to uh, Mark Wahlberg is a well-known fan, a Christian Benteke, funnily enough, a football player who had a rather prolific stay in the premier league for a while. He was um, known to wear, I think a Batman was his uh, watcher choice, uh, but who should wear the GMT master two. Okay. So celebrities that should wear the GMT master two. Well, you know, 
the one that comes to mind, I know he's probably an IWC ambassador. I'm not entirely sure, but I guess because they make the Top Gun watch, he is. Tom Cruise is actually a pilot. So uh, he could probably get a fair bit of use out of a GMT Master 2. And he travels all over the world. So maybe we should see if uh, Tom Cruise would like to wear one. What, what do you think, Alan? You got any off the top of your head that would be good? I am. I suck at celebrity endorsement. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it, it, it doesn't work for me. Um, yeah, it's really not the worst thing to like suck at. To be honest, it's um, it's it's. But poor, but actually, I want I want to I want to do a segue to a question from Niels in Maastricht. He sent me on LinkedIn. Why do they call some GMTs the pussy galore? And 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 that's an actually an interesting one because huh. um, the, the the first GMT master the sixty five forty two was yeah. worn by the character Pussy Galore in the James Bond movie Goldfinger in nineteen sixty four. Honor Blackman, God rest her soul. Exactly, Honor Blackman. That's the name of the actress. So I think it's super cool that a lady worn it. It 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 it, it had a place in a movie. I guess if we run a Google search now, well, oh, I have one. Sorry, I love John Mayer as a musician. I love him as a collector, and obviously yep. he's an investor in Hodinkee today. Our friends uh-huh. uh, in New York at Hodinkee. Um, what made an impression on me is that he bought one of the first white gold GMTs, I think, with the blue dial. So the blue and red blue dialed white gold version he he mm-hmm. toured with what's that band called that old band um and he put the he engraved the logo in the case back so that actually made an impression on me so actually if if we're talking about celebrities that i know that actually own and wear one and and in the watch world i guess our buddy ben Clymer is a, is a minor celebrity or a big celebrity i know he has several um so yeah that's um as far as i can go and who should wear one? I don't care. Everybody should wear it because they love it and not because they want to flex it. <laughs> I don't care. He says, anyone. Um, yeah, well, okay. The Pussy Galore reference is, is cool. And you are right. It's really cool that she wore one. But I mean, she was uh, ace pilot in that film, wasn't she? That was her main role. She was one of the most iconic um, Bond women because of her skill. And I think uh, the fact that she was an even match for Sean Connery's James Bond is what uh, endeared her to Bond fans down the years. So, yeah, that's a cool reference. Um, modern day, who else could we strap one of these onto? Let me think, let me think. Someone that likes planes. Planes are good. You know what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. I just, I feel like Harrison Ford would be a good choice. I don't know why. I mean, he's Indiana Jones, he's Han Solo. So he's ballooning. He flies himself into all sorts of trouble, as we know, right? Okay, so he's almost had a couple of pretty bad accidents um, where he's nearly flown into passenger jets. And I think he had he did crash his plane once. So, um, yeah, I, I think he'd be a good one. He'd be a good one. And I think that you could do a lot with the bezel. You could have a lot of fun with Harrison Ford special editions, like based on his iconic movie characters. I'm sure you could do something with Indy. You know, like, um, I know the... Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was an absolutely abysmal film, but you could have like a crystal bezel or something, or like a skull on a crown, or I don't know, whatever, like uh, some crazy religious crusade-inspired iconography on the closed case back, or some secret map that illuminated when put under UV light on the dial. I don't know, whatever. I'll say Harrison Ford and Tom Cruise, which probably shows my age a little bit, that I've just I've picked like super 1980s movie stars but there you go that's that's what i think it feels right to me oh and interestingly enough <laughs> i didn't mean to do this honestly i didn't mean to do this it just came to me at the last moment because i was reading an article about harrison ford and indiana jones the other day the most famous wearer of a rolex gmt master and i think it is the master or maybe the master two is uh magnum pi mm. right Tom Selleck, who was apparently, and I only learned this last week, the first choice to play Indiana Jones 
Interesting. And uh, he couldn't do it, and it went to Harrison Ford. Obviously, now it'd be hard to imagine anyone else in the role, but I think we could bend ourselves to imagining Tom Selleck playing playing Indy. That'd be cool. But there, yeah, what a bit of symmetry that turned out to provide. Rob, this is actually fun. We're going all over the place, but uh, we got so many questions, and we have a lot more in the mailbag. But I want to pick up Menno's one. He sent that to me on uh, Instagram as a DM. Um, he he starts off by 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 actually with a saying or a quote or a statement. He he writes the Jim T Master Two with the Pepsi dial is so iconic. So he means the bezel. You almost cannot love it. Every time I see it, I get excited. And a bit conflicted. The two-color bezel, the extra time zone hand, and the Jubilee bracelet are a bit much compared to, let's say, a regular black Submariner. But then again, to each his own. My main problem with the watch is that 99% of them I see in the wild are fakes. I know that's not a real problem, but still, I can't imagine getting a real one and being asked if it's a real one all the time. Hmm. It's an interesting point, actually. And what I find most interesting about it is it's not something I ever really thought about myself. So one of the main concerns I suppose I would have if I were about to buy a Rolex now, especially one as visible and well-known as the GMT Master 2 that trades for so much over its recommended retail on the secondary slash pre-loved market, is that I'd be concerned about getting my arm cut off for it or a bullet put somewhere in my body um, at the expense of my watch. I'd be very uh, nervous about wearing it in public. Um, I hadn't really considered the drawback of somebody assuming it was a fake. Now, the way that Menno phrases this question statement suggests to me that it would annoy him or her, actually. I, I don't know if it's a male him, or female, him. but him, it's a him, okay. That it would annoy him that people didn't automatically know it was real. Now that also suggests to me, and I might be, I might be drawing too many conclusions from this, but it suggests to me that that matters to him, that he wants people to know that he's wearing a real Rolex GMT Master 2. Now, personally, if I owned a Rolex GMT Master 2, I would probably want people to think I was wearing a fake because I would own it for myself and I would wear it for myself and I would enjoy it for myself. I do not buy watches to flex. And uh, the idea of it makes me feel quite uncomfortable, especially, like I say, with such a mainstream watch so well known. So in some odd ways, Menno, while I do sympathize that, yes, you are correct, there are not only a lot of fakes, actual fakes, but also pale imitations of the real thing. It might be to your favor in some ways from a security perspective that it is such an imitated watch. Alon, what are the thoughts that come to your mind when you hear this question? I'm with you. 100%. I've been wearing one since 91. I was young, so then people wouldn't believe that I have a Rolex, so they would assume it's fake. I don't lie. I never lie. I don't believe in white lies because those are lies. Um, so either I would shrug it off, dismiss the question, um, and or I would like give a vague answer like, it is what you think it is. Or I would say, what do you care? What is it to you? Or it's actually rude of you to ask. But you're 100% right. I didn't mind people thinking it's fake. Um, I, I used to live in New York and I studied there. So I only took one watch with me. And um, I picked this one, especially because of the time zones. Because obviously I wanted to call back home and I had family on the West Coast. So I was jumping through three time zones, let's say. And, and I obviously went out a lot, clubbing, going on the tube, the sub. And I, 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 I liked that prejudice that people thought it was fake because I didn't want to get jacked or robbed. Now, it's unfortunately, it surged again, this uh, tidal of violence and robbing and theft of nice watches in Europe, especially in the big cities. Um, so I think it's not a good thing, but I, I used it in my advantage, let's say. Now, what do I think of fake watches? I don't think it's a good thing, um, but I think we can spend the whole episode on that. So 
Yeah, if it's important, as you said, Rob, if it is if it is important to you that you buy a real product and you find it important that people know you're wearing a real one, then unfortunately, it's a sad conclusion, in my humble opinion. You shouldn't pick a watch that's that popular and therefore copied a lot. But it's actually, I'm saying it and it's a sad conclusion. So that's it. That's my two cents. Very good. All right, it's an interesting point upon which to end this episode but i think we'll draw it to a close there because we did have a lot more questions on this model which is perhaps unsurprising given how popular it is and how widely discussed it has been since its release we do hope that rolex will bring out some updates to the gmt master 2 collection this year because we all feel that there's a lot more meat on the bone we would love to maybe do a follow-up episode answering some more of those questions that we already have and some new ones that would no doubt come in should rolex add to this model line in the near future if you would like to get involved with the show, then you can get in touch with us. You can either find me on Instagram at Rob Nudds, that's R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S, or Alon on Instagram at Alon Ben Joseph, that's A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. You can contact us both directly via email, that's either rob at therealtime.show or alon at therealtime.show. We will be back soon with another interview. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.